welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello there, welcome to episode 27 of the Hellraiser Podcast. I'm Peter and this is Phil. Hello. Hello everyone, nice to have you back. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the comics again, the epic comics, books 5 and 6. So apologies, we've been away for a little bit, but we're back now with a vengeance. Uh, But the reason we've been away is we were actually doing a play. Phil and I, we put on a play of our own over October 2012 uh, called The Puppetry of Flesh. Mm. Mmm. Mmm. It's part of the London Horror Festival, and it took up a lot of our time. Sorry for that. Sorry about that. But it went well, so that was nice. (laughs) It went very well. (laughs) It went very well. And uh, thank you to anybody who came to see it. Yeah, thank you. And and hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. That's the plan. Mm Mm-hmm. Good. So, we're back now, though. Back with you chaps and chapesses. We're in your ears, and we're talking about Hellraiser. Yeah. So, cracking straight on with book five. In book five, there are four stories. They are called Fire Trap, Glitter and Go, Mazes of the Mind, and Dear Diary. So we begin with Fire Trap. Mm. So the first thing that grabs me about this story is the artwork, and it's drawn by the same guy that did... Diver's Hands, if you remember from previous yeah. book we talked about on the podcast. Mm. It's like this watercolour, realistic. It's it's nice. I like this artwork. Hmm. Yeah, mm. it's interesting. <laughs> it, well, it's a sort of... It's, a, it's a, not a style that I'm really like, oh, I really love it, but um, it works really well for the story, I think. It does. So we begin with a chap called Whitcomb, who's on his way to a house... He's talking about this other character called Byron and a family reunion. He's got a note from Byron saying, Sorry to do this, Steve, but I don't think you'll want to be at the family reunion this year. He's implying that this Byron character is mad, crazy indeed, he says. So something bad is happening already. There's something ominous going on, and he's rushing to this house to try and stop it before it happens. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a bit too late, bless him, because when he gets there, the house is surrounded by firemen and the house has been completely gutted with fire. Yeah. And the firemen have these rather striking pink hats on. <laughs> <laughs> this is really unusual. I'd love to know whether this is actually a colour of fire hats. Well, I guess it must be based somewhere. on something. <laughs> I've never seen any firemen look like this. Yeah, because I think when I first read it, I couldn't quite work out that they were firemen straight away. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's um, he's there. He's there saying, you can't go in, you can't go in. Oh, mm-hmm. there, there is a guy in there. Looks kind of like you. Ooh. And he's like, Byron! So he runs in to the house and he's confronted with a lot of dead people. Dead people, his family. His whole family. And it's all his uncle and cousin's and he looks closely at them. There's Uncle Barney. He's all deformed, with bits of his head melted. This is quite shocking. And there's a baby, six-month-old baby there as well. And this is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly. Yeah. But he, somehow, for some reason, he knows that Byron is still alive and is still in there. So he goes off to try and find him. And he has a he has a sort of memory before yeah, he we have this flashback to him of um byron talking about their father reading a puzzle book to him i don't know if it's their father i think they're cousins i think their cousin's father no they are cousins <laughs> and it's byron's dad <laughs> i was gonna say what? because steve's saying your dad yeah yeah 
Yeah. It sent Byron a bit round the bend. Yes, it has, yeah. And there's this book he keeps talking about with uh, puzzles in it that his dad has and is obsessed with. And Byron's saying, I've got to destroy this. It's, it's... Well, he's not quite saying that yet, is he? No, he's saying that basically nobody else in the family had to... Had to even knew about this book or had to no. hear it. Just Byron, he would read out of it, and it's all crazy stuff. And like, it's all driving him a bit. What do funny. you do with a baby? Is bash its brains out on the black stone? Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. So you're like, oh, oh dear. So these riddles it's aren't not, not your typical word search. No, not your typical nursery, nursery stories. Then we flash back to present day, mm-hmm. and the firemen have turned up and said, "Look, man, stop running around in this house. It's all dangerous." <laughs> And he's like, Byron! Mm-hmm. So he runs Byron. off again. And he finds Byron... Upstairs. With the book. With the book, looking like an evil imp. <laughs> and Byron basically said he killed everyone at mm. the family reunion yeah. um, to try and get the dad and burn the book. But it didn't work. But he knows now he's got the book and all he has to do is read the words out of it and he can find his dad from the other side, as it were, yeah. and kill him. At which point, Steve smashes him in the face. Yeah. Because that's not on. Killing your whole family. It's a bit extreme. It's unacceptable. And then the firemen grab Steve off Byron. Because he shouldn't be beating him up, they think. And Byron runs away. Mm. And they have to go and find him. And he's, he's speaking the words from the book. He speaks the words. And then there's a light. And it seems that the gateway to hell has been opened. And here they are, our Cenobite chums. Yeah, the Cenobite chums from Diver's Hands. Yeah. And if you remember in that one, there was a lady who got turned into a spider lady. Mm. Well, these guys are at it again. They turn up and they get the dead people from downstairs. They rip them apart and they turn them into these hybrid creatures again, just for a bit of a laugh. Yeah. And this is weird. I mean, this is strange. These guys, the Cenobites, they turn up. And they just play around with dead people and turn them into living people again. But But it's kind of a it's kind of a recurring theme with them, I guess, with this kind of like manipulation of flesh, because that's what happens to you when you're a Cenobite. Yeah. And they've had in a couple of the other stories I'm saying, Well, we have our pets. We have our pets. And Mm -hmm. these are like their pets, aren't they, basically? People. Yeah. They make them (laughs) and have fun with them. Smush them up. So then they have a bit of a running away type situation. Yeah, with monsters. these weird monsters on the ceiling chasing after them with their lots of limbs and lots of heads. He meets back up with Byron again. Mm. And Byron's like, don't worry, we'll go around the basement. Yeah, with the special right. key. It's all fine. Yeah. yeah. I've got this key. Let's run away. And then we have a very interesting discussion where something's mentioned which we haven't found before in these comics. He's talking about the dad. Byron's talking about his dad and he says, I found out the truth. My father is a guardian, a puzzle guardian. And then he says, I told you he wasn't human. Mm. And that's thinking, that makes me think, hang on. So puzzle guardians aren't human, according to this writer at least. Yeah, I don't know of any, it's not been mentioned before. Well, thinking about the first film, the puzzle guardian is the tramp, who obviously isn't human because he's a skeletal dragon Mm. in their skin. But does that mean all the other puzzle guardians that we've met are also not human? It certainly comes up again in some... Well, it's, I mean, I've seen both in stories. In some different comics, they are humans. They've yeah. been forced into it, and in some, they are d- 
demons and monsters. Mm. Um, I prefer the, that they are humans myself. Yeah. Because I think it's much more frightening that either someone's been forced into that position of being a puzzle guardian mm-hmm. or that they like it. They like it. Or, they're, they're the, yeah, it. or they're being promised some sort of power or something. If they do this, then they'll get to become a powerful Cenobite or something like that. Yeah, I think that's quite cool. If they're just a monster, if they're a demon, then they're, they're just the same as the Cenobites, aren't they? You know, they're doing their well, job, having a nice time. Well, that's the thing about the guy in the first film. He's just doing his job. He's just keeping an eye on the box, checking where it is, mm. checking he's got it. Then he grabs it again and takes it back to Marrakesh or wherever that market is. <laughs> so they end up going down to the cellar. And then there's one of these weird hybrid creatures down in the cellar. Yeah. And this is interesting because Steve now grabs Byron and basically throws him to the monsters Yeah, as a sacrifice. He's not having it. Well, he's not very happy that his whole family's been killed. No. Or at least Byron's family, his, you know uncles and aunts and cousins have all been killed so he throws him as a sacrifice to the monsters thinking that he'll then be able to be free Mm. and run away unfortunately it doesn't quite work like that no um he bumps back into the cenobites again and they're like we've got to have the whole family (laughs) (laughs) and um and this the lead cenobite again is this guy who was a bit of an alien shaped head and no lips horrible gums and teeth yeah. No nose. Looks like a very bizarre, scary alien creature from the 80s. <laughs> and um, we think we've got Byron's um, Byron's dad here Yeah, as well. because all of a sudden this other character turns out we've never seen before. Bald. He looks a little bit like Ray Fiennes as Voldemort. <laughs> but he's holding Byron's head and making the head look at the book. That's quite horrible and the, the head is saying no daddy please <laughs> yeah. and then this lead cenobite ends up with saying ah oh, dear byron we always knew you'd bring this family together ha ha oh dear so there you go so that's interesting that's trap. and it's almost it makes you wonder why they're doing these things what's their motivation because this cenobite is saying we always knew you bring the family together as if they want the family to be all together and is the dad as a puzzle guardian, it was almost like he was training up Byron when he was younger to take over. Yeah, I mean, you, you, well, you do get the sense sometimes with these things that it's all sort of preordained, you know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. this puzzle guardian chap was, you know, doing his job and maybe he was there to make Byron go completely nuts and murder his whole family and then the Cenobites can have them all and squish them all together. Yeah, well, that's what they want to do. What they really want is this whole family to smush together into a couple of pets. That's fine by me. That's what they want. Good for them. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of this story, then? I quite like it. I quite like it. It's a bit... um, It's a little wordy, I think. There's some chunks where you want there to be some action and it's a bit talky, I think. But it is interesting, and I do quite like this one. Hmm. You? Yes, I quite like it too. Um, I like the concept of the book, the riddles. Yeah. Um, and poor little Byron having to listen to these yeah. crazy things. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a good one. It's a good one. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend this one. Mm-hmm. Excellent. On Marvelous. to the next. On to the next. So the next story is called Glitter and Go and revolves around this phenomenon that's happening where all these people, seemingly normal people, are gathering on rooftops 
of big skyscraper buildings. They're taking off their jewellery and at the same time all throwing it up in the air and saying, glitter and go! And at that moment, the sunlight or sunlight is catching all this jewellery at the same time and creating a big spectacle, a big bright light. And then they all dive off the building. Mm. And most of them die. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this guy who's kind of investigating this. It's a team, isn't it, of people? It's a team of people. And But we're focused on this one guy at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, standing on the building with what looks like sort of parachute. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's saying, Alan, I swear it, brother, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. Mm. And then we have a bit of a flashback to this Alan, his brother, saving him from a fire when they were younger. Yeah, his brother saved him from a house fire, and his brother got burned, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Yeah. He was a bit bad about that. Yeah. And they've gathered on this roof to investigate, and there's all these people here, and they do this glitter and go thing, they take off all the jewelry, throw it in the air. And dive off. And you've got someone as well in a helicopter circling. Another member of the team. And they witness this from above. And they see the sunlight catch all this jewellery and light the air up. Yeah. It says that it looked like the tower exploded into glitters of light. Which is quite a cool idea. Yeah. Um, and he's um, speaking to this sort of old woman who's with them all. Yeah. And she's saying, I've heard the call. I know the way. I know mm. the way, don't you? And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> You're a crazy fool. And they all jump off the building and he joins them. Yeah, he jumps off too. And then da, 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 opens his sort of glider parachute. And this is this is a cool sort of image and idea that he's falling when all these people are falling to their deaths. And Around he's falling him. with them. Yeah. And this old lady he was speaking to he sees her falling the whole way and then she disappears yeah and he's like it's not possible it's not possible and then he gets tangled oh. his glider gets tangled mm. and he can't hold it but he manages to fall and he's alright he's, he's not been damaged too much unlike most of the other people who jumped off who have all just completely splatted on the floor yeah and um, then you've got all these people who come running in looting all the glitter yeah, scavengers that's been found. Yeah. Which is a cool idea. And, like, they're, they're there immediately, so they've all been waiting. Because mm. this is something that's been happening quite a lot, it seems. And it's almost like these people know it's going to happen and know there's going to be lots of jewellery. So they're hanging around at the bottom waiting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, our main protagonist fellow can't find the old lady. She's gone. Mm. So then he has a flashback back to um, speaking to his brother... And his brother's looking for the lament configuration. Ooh. He's made a study of it, of the ancient beliefs that surround the puzzle box. Yeah, so he's been looking into all that, trying to find one of the boxes, and he's all scarred on one side of his face. He's missing an eye. Mm-hmm. Because got a nice he got eye patch. burned. And then he shows him some diagrams of these other configurations mm. he talks about. Yeah. Uh, the condemnation box, the tears of eternity. There's all these different varieties. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting idea. We've mm. had that before. There's more than one box. Yeah, or and this guy seems way. to have a parchment with them on it, so it's been documented somehow. And so this guy, Alan, has gone off to try and find one of these other boxes because he can't find the element configuration. So he says, if I can't find that, I'll find one of the other ones. Mm. And then we cut back to present day. And Alex, our main protagonist, is in bed with a 
lovely lady. <laughs> and she's one of the team as well. Mm-hmm. And there's someone talking on the news about this glitter and go thing that's happening. And then this building is shown on the screen. Yeah, well, he says, um, he's kind of giving us a bit of backstory here. So he yeah, says, yeah. my brother, you know, he's talking to this uh, lady, Gina, saying my brother did it. He ran with the people, off, jumped off the building and then disappeared. Oh, yeah, that's important. Yeah. That's quite important. <laughs> yeah, if you should say that. Yeah. Yes. So that's why he's looking for his brother, because and that's why he's here yeah. trying to solve this mystery, because his brother he did knows it. He knows his brother did the glitter and go, but then wasn't found at the base of the building. He jumped off. So, yeah, so then, as you say, he sees a building. Yeah. And it suddenly clicks in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sold on this bit of this story. <laughs> He basically sees a building on the screen, a, a rectangular building, and then he pictures one of the drawings that Alex, that I'm sorry, Alan showed him of these configurations, and it was a rectangular shape. And it clicks in his head that that building is this particular. It's the condemnation box. Yes, but it's just a building. I mean, it's a rectangular building. Happens to have the same dimensions as this drawing of a rectangle. Yeah. Surely there are quite a few buildings that have those dimensions. It's, yeah, It's a bit of a leap, but... Uh, it's a huge leap. <laughs> he's, uh, he's It's all come together in his mind now. He's figured it out. <clears throat> he's figured out Yeah, that's why the people are jumping off the buildings. But anyway, he's uh, he works it out, so he's like, oh, I've got it. I've got, I've got to go to this building and jump off it. And then Gene is like, oh, let's go then, let's go. It's a puzzle. How do we solve it? Yeah, how do you solve it? But then she starts going, oh, I can hear the call. I know the way. And she tries to run away and she smacks him when he tries to stop <laughs> yeah. her. Oh, it also turns out he's not actually that qualified for this job. He faked some of his documentation and credentials to get this job. Yeah. She uh, runs off to the roof <clears throat> in the lift and he has to follow her up the stairs. And as he's doing this, he's, he's snapped a bit at this point and he's shouting to his brother, Alan, saying, I'm sorry, I, I started the fire. I wanted to get rid of you. Shock reveal. I'm sorry, I was jealous. Ah. And then get to the top. And I think this is the solving of the building, isn't it? The going yeah. up the stairs rather than, you know, the kind of going round and up and through. Mm. That's what I take from it anyway. Yeah. This is the solving of the puzzle. I think so. Um, so they, they do all that. She's sort of shouting like stairs to seven, eleven, elevator to 21. So it's a kind of mix. Stairs to 20, yeah, stairs to 33 to go through to actually solve the building that's quite interesting yeah yeah it is yeah so they get to the top and she she... throws a bracelet up in the air glitter and go and jumps off yep she's gonna let herself fall yeah and he um, grabs her yeah and opens her parachute so she kind of falls to safety her glider's out goes off but he doesn't he goes through well he's still falling he opens his as well yeah but it's around this point that he goes through like a a dimensional rift exactly but it's almost like it doesn't even matter that he opens his because he seems to open it first and then he goes through this dimensional rift yeah and he basically goes into hell which is portrayed using the colour yellow and some weird lines and shapes. Mm, and it's a bit some, boxy. And a hand is held out to him. And who is it? It's his brother, Alan. Alan. As a Cenobite. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you've waited a long time for this vengeance. Mm-hmm. Alan. You found me. So there you go. 
that's the story. So it's basically that's a heck of a vengeance plan. Yeah, <laughs> like he could have got revenge on him when he was <laughs> while he was still alive and not a cenobite and stuff. Uh, yes, you could have done. So, what do you think of this one then, Phil? Um, I think some of the ideas behind it are quite good, but it didn't it didn't really grab me that much when I first read it. I must say, I didn't. I don't know the art and stuff didn't really get me, and uh, I like the idea yeah. of the people jumping off the building and some of the visuals of like someone falling through the air with all the dead the people falling with him. But, um, yeah, I don't know why, but it just didn't get me this way. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm the same, actually. <clears throat> I wasn't sure about this one. I'm not a huge fan of the artwork, and the story's okay. It's, it's all right. It's not bad. I think that leap he makes to the condemnation box is a bit silly. It's certainly not awful. It's just not one that I tend to go back to and reread. No. Yeah, I think that's, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. And moving on. To the next story, which is called Mazes of the Mind. So this story is very interesting from the beginning because most of it is set in hell. Yeah. With this Cenobite, who it seems is called Orno. Mm. And he's he's great. He looks great. He's got a sort of wire metal contraption round his head, pulling his face taut. Mm. He's nice. He looks good. I like him. And he, it says that he creates new gateways and new guardians. Guardians, puzzle guardians and gateways into hell. So well, that's maybe, interesting. Maybe this is a, a solution to the question you asked earlier. Well, Peter. exactly. There's a brief flashback to how this guy became a Cenobite. He was after purity and solving solutions. Yeah, he had a great solving mind. Solutions? <laughs> solving solutions? Solving solution. problems. Yeah, he wanted to find the uh, pure formula or equation. Yeah. Opened a box, was taken into hell, and turned into this Cenobite. Yeah. And he's got his own workshop in hell. Yeah, he's doing quite well for a Cenobite. Yeah, he's he's got a big smile on his face. There might be the skin being pulled off, but he seems happy. <laughs> he's, he's having a great time. Yeah. And, and it's uh, nice to see, because you think, you know, hell, I think everyone's being torched all the time. But this guy's having a wait of a time. He's loving it. I like how he um, kind of... Turns the screws on his little thing to oh, pull yeah. his skin even tighter. Yeah, so he's like going around going, oh, it's going to be loose. This. Ah, that's really painful. I like it. <laughs> and then something happens which we've never seen before. Leviathan talks briefly. It seems that way. It does, because you've got him saying, when Leviathan calls, it's my job to create new guardians and gateways. And then you've got this weird speech bubble saying... Or no, I need someone new, something refreshing to replace these souls I grow tired of. Uh. And with a, and that's next to a picture of the Leviathan diamond shape. So that is Leviathan talking, I guess. It's really funny because you never heard him speak, and then he's like, "I'm bored. Yeah, can you get me some? I need something to do." <laughs> 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 so then he gets this guy who's come up from Earth. I guess he's opened a puzzle, mm-hmm. you assume. He's one of the the uh, damned souls or whatever. Yeah. He sticks him in this chair in his workshop. Lots of tubes and things go into his body to see what's going on inside there, to hold him in place. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty gross. Yep, he opens his skull up and exposes his brain mm-hmm. and shoves his finger in, fingers into this guy's brain to see what's going on in there. Yeah, he's... Uh... Having a look around in his mind. Yeah, you're looking into this guy's mind, the maze of this guy's mind, using his fingers. 
takes his fingers out, tastes the mind in his mouth. Then he goes over to his little workstation where he creates boxes and he carves a box. A yeah, box. it's really interesting this bit because he sort of he gets a blank box. Yeah, and then he sort of reconfigures it, and it looks like it's got wires and all sorts mm. of crazy stuff, and and it becomes a new, different sort of puzzle box. Yeah, that we've never seen before. And then he sews up the guy's head, takes him to the the surface of hell, which is all looking. It's all very alien and strange looking, isn't it? Yeah, and we probably mentioned the artwork as well. The artwork of this one is a bit more cartoony. This one. I like it, though, because it's detailed. It's detailed. It's a bit sort of that sort of Frank Miller type style. Mm, And it's nice. It's lovely. Um, So he's created a puzzle box, but how would he create a puzzle guardian, Phil? Well, you wonder about that. Well, it seems here he gets the guy, and um, he sort of stabs this sort of knife he's got on his hand into him. Yeah. So it's like his fingers and this knife are going into him. And then he says he puts his seed into the chap he gives him the desire to reproduce and plants his seed inside him yeah he says we will need someone who will love and protect the box so he puts his genes into this guy and then sends the guy back to earth the guy immediately sees this prostitute who's like hey buddy you want to have a good time and he's like dribbling he's, going back. he's like a kind of <laughs> dribbling weirdo at this point um, but hey it's all money so he goes in has sex with this prostitute but then runs off without paying, runs out into the street, gets hit by a car and dies. Yep. Uh, she's pregnant now. Nine, Nine months, months later, later. Gives birth to a little baby boy, gives him up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And what lovely eyes he's got. Lovely green eyes. And then... 16 years later... Uh, the guy's got a present. He gets a present. Very uh, nice. What is it? It's the, the puzzle, puzzle box, box. The gateway. It says, Happy birthday from your father's. and um, our fellow is laughing away in hell yeah going great so he's basically sort of made a son so there you go he's not he's not not human no but then he has come from hell Hell. yeah interesting and Mm. 16 obviously is the the age where you've become adult enough to become a puzzle guardian (laughs) yeah I really like this story. I love this one. This one's brilliant. It's really good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It shows you a lot of crazy stuff going on mm. in hell. A lot of interesting things. Um, it's got some really interesting visuals. And the whole idea of you know becoming a puzzle guardian through this crazy means. Yeah. I think it's really good. Making him. Really good. Yeah, good one. Well done. Well done. Really that one. And there's one more story in book five. And it's called Dear Diary. So this one is another story of obsession and a puzzle box, funnily enough. (laughs) That's unusual. Yeah. (laughs) This one's about this family, this very nice family who seem to be quite well-to-do, and they're very polite and posh. And the daughter, the young teenage daughter, is called Lindsay, and she's met this fella. She likes him. They're going to the carnival together. Mm. And at this carnival, he wins a prize... And the prize they win is this puzzle box. It looks very much like the Lament configuration and probably is. Mm-hmm. And then she says, ooh, what should we do with this? And he's like, why don't you keep hold of it? Don't tell anyone about it. Because she's like, oh, my sister likes puzzles. And he's like, no, why don't you keep it? And it'll be our little secret. And he says that with a little weird He's got a bit of an smile. evil face <laughs> on there, hasn't he? So it's like this guy 
is either he either doesn't know anything about it and he's just a bit weird, or he's part of this plan. He's a puzzle guardian. Could be. It and could he, be the guy from the other story. He arranged it. Could be. Could be the guy. I mean, he's got different coloured eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Well, you might be. And she's all happy, goes home with this box, plays around with it on her bed, can't work out how to open it. She has a New Kids on the Block poster on her wall. <laughs> <laughs> I've just noticed. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, those Brilliant. are the days. And then, But then she goes back to school and she sees this guy and he's like, hey, hi. And he just ignores him. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, hi. Yeah, whatever. And that's not on. Yeah, he's completely blanking her. Yeah, he's talking about baseball. And Lindsay's getting a bit upset. Yeah. She's getting a bit withdrawn. She feels, you know... Well, she's unhappy about it. She's writing this in her diary. At this point, I'll just talk about the, the artwork for this one as well, because the artwork is... is I like this artwork. It looks nice. But also, on each page, you've got four panels of the story, four or five panels. But behind the panels, the whole double page is like a diary. Mm. With writing behind the panels of her diary either side of it and, and if you read it is talking about the you know the story that we're reading but most of it's all covered over it's really cool though isn't it because you can you can read certain lines yeah you can and when I first read this I did you know read all of that as well yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The diary as well it's really nice you sort of mm. look at the panel with her she's like oh I've just got this stupid secret gift and then at the bottom it's like all I've got left is that cube he gave me that stupid cube but she gets all she gets all teenagery she gets all withdrawn. She says she's not well. She's not going to go to school. She starts shouting at her little sister and shouting at her parents, saying she's not hungry, not going to eat. She's getting all obsessed, and she eventually snaps at her dad, saying, just leave me alone! And he's like, no, look here. Young lady, you will go to school. Yeah. Come hell or high water, he says. Oh, I wonder which one. Uh, she goes back to school, but isn't paying attention in class. She's writing in her diary probably writing about the puzzle box and she gets told to pay more attention she's writing a diary I hate my teacher but she can she's writing I can feel it she can still feel this thing happening and she can't wait to get home when she gets home she finds something unfortunate has happened yes her sister her little sister found her diary read it found the cube and was playing with it and solved it and she comes in to see what, what it essentially looks like. The sister being whisked away to hell. Yeah. Wisps of smoke in the air. So there you go. Shame. It is a shame. It's quite well done in this story. I like this one. Um, I like the um, relationship between the sister because there's a certain point where she's kind of like, hey, and she's like, leave me alone. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, I just wanted to see if you were okay. I'm sorry. And so it's not, you know, and then she, on the last page, is going like, why do you have to be such an obnoxious brat, you know? So she's obviously filled with so much remorse that she's ignored her sister. Yeah. And her sister's kind of wanting to be involved in her life a little bit. And mm. at the beginning, she was like, oh, I'll give this puzzle to my sister because she really likes them. So it's a really sad tale. It is, yeah. So be be aware, people listening. Look after your sisters. Look after your sisters. And your brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Love each other. <laughs> it's a good story. I really like it. Yeah, um, I like this one. I like the diary. <laughs> thing that you mentioned the diary mm. artwork I think that's really cool really sets it apart and yeah. I like the artwork in general because it's nice and detailed which I enjoy yeah me too I quite like uh, book five I prefer the second two stories to the first two but uh, generally it's pretty good mm. yeah it's a good read all round marvellous worth getting so let us crack on to book six book six 
will tear your ears apart. So the first story in book six is called Original Sin,、mm. and this is the story of a lady and her son. This one is really interesting. Yes, right from the beginning. Yeah, it's really good. This one, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It begins with her kid playing with his toys and his building blocks, and one of them is a very familiar box. Yeah, she's having to buy used toys, so she's going to the second-hand shop. Well, that's amazing. Why was this puzzle box in the second-hand yeah, shop? Yeah, it's brilliant. Where it's going around the world. Yeah, and I guess especially、so. because later on you find out that it hasn't been opened for eight hundred years. That's a good point. Well, so, maybe just people just couldn't open it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's been it's been passed from hand to hand for eight hundred years. It's a very old second-hand shop.、Mm. Yeah. <laughs>、um, so she、uh, is a bit worried about her. Small child because he、yeah. he just keeps playing with the box and he's not talking. He's not, he's talking. not walking. So again, I mean, a lot of these stories are about obsession, and this is amazing seeing a toddler with this obsession with the box, and he's just playing with it. And he wants to open it. Yeah. Or you know that's what we think. We assume that at the moment because we don't know. And then the dad comes home and he is a prick. He's an idiot. He's drinking Jack Daniels. He's pouring it on the kid's head at one point. I don't know if he's doing that on purpose, but he's sort of dribbling it. Possibly by accident,、yeah. and it's a good, interesting thing that they're bringing up. He's saying, you know, you, you bought all this stuff for the kid, which is like, yeah, it was secondhand stuff. And whereas you, you're buying, you know, good whiskey. Yeah, exactly. He's he's just spending all the money on himself, and yeah, he's just and then blaming her. Really angry, he smacks her across the face. Yeah, it's just since the baby came, apparently their relationship's fallen apart. It's really horrible. He really resents this kid. Yeah, and the poor child is watching this, just going.、Ugh. This is terrible, and then he's doing this puzzle box. Start solving the puzzle. Yeah, he turns it into different shapes. He turns it into a ball,、mm. and then into like a triangle shape. Yeah, and then the last picture on this page looks a bit like、um, Quato from Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mind. Open the puzzle box, <laughs> and then he opens it, and he、yeah. thinks it's going to help because he knows there's something going on. He can hear raised voices. And he's and he's in his brain. He's going, look, look, I did, I helped, but these two ladies turn up. Now these might be a very early version or influence on the Wire Twins from Inferno.、Mm. That's what I thought thought of when I read it. Yeah, it's a very very interesting. And it says here they、um, they're identical sisters, both had crystal blue eyes, but that was a long time ago.、Mm-hmm. So now they're.、Um, They're both cenobites. They're in leather, typical、mm. leather. They're very thin.、Mm-hmm. One of them's got no eyes and sort of chains coming out of her eye sockets,、mm. and the other one's got these massive, big staples stapling her mouth closed. Well, you say closed, but she can still talk. Yeah. And the first thing she says is the the elegy configuration.、Mm. So this isn't the lament configuration. So going again, taking on something that we had in the previous book. There are all these different puzzle boxes, and they're not all the same one. No. And yeah, that's the thing she says now. It hasn't been opened since the time of Srivijaya in Sumatra eight hundred years ago. So that's insane, yeah, <laughs> isn't it? And they take they take the baby or the toddler because you know that's that's the rules. Them's the rules. And Jack, the dad, grabs the mum and is basically saying, "What? Let him take it. It's fine. We don't need the kid. It's just you and me. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it." And she's, you know, get off me! I'm gonna help. This is really bad because they're they're saying, 
We have. N- we don't want to take the baby. We have no use That's for him. That's great. If we in could, hell. she say, if we could choose, it would be you that we took into hell, Jack. Yeah, but it's... we are bound by the law of Leviathan. We don't choose because it says here. It's really interesting when she says, "We have no use for the infant, no place for innocence." Mm. So it's as if, well, what can we do to him anyway? Because he's not done anything wrong, or he has yeah. no sin. No, but they say they can't choose. They can't choose. They have to take him. So they and just so they wander take off. him away. But just before they go, she gets free of Jack, and she races forward and manages to get through the portal into hell. Yeah, and she's now in hell. Going to find this her kid. And this is an amazing moment here where the door, the yeah. wall solidifies behind her, and it catches her shirt, just the tip of her shirt, and just to rip it from the wall. And then you get. A lot of her going through hell. This is great. And we're not going to go through every single page. Do seek this one out. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, there's really interesting designs here and, like, staircases and archways and stuff. It's really cool. It's a bit like a castle, isn't it? Mm. One thing I will bring up, though, is the guy wandering around. Yeah, because she's she's, um, basically confronted the sisters and uh, got her baby back and she's running away. And... um, she falls down some stairs. A wall has tried to bite her. Yeah. <laughs> a wall of human heads. Yeah. And then there's this creature that comes along with a he's cart. He's brilliant. I love this guy. He basically, it says he's looking for... His job is to stalk the passageways in search of living things that don't belong. So there are other living things there as well. I mean, he's got quite a few in his cart. Yeah, so there's people running around in hell. And he's sniffing them out, is he? Or mm, licking Yeah. Oh, he's horrible. He's pretty creepy, this guy. He is horrible. And uh, she throws the shoe of the baby away so that he um, oh, yeah, he sniffs gets out the put shoe. off the scent. Oh, got the shoe. Got a shoe. Got a shoe. So uh, she thinks she's okay. Then she meets up with the sisters again. Uh-oh. Very bad. And they just say, listen, you're not getting out of here, but I tell you what, we can make a game of it. You can protect your baby here in hell. And if you make him strong enough, he might escape one day. But yeah. you're never going to escape. So, she says, do you agree? And she says yes. Anything for him? Yep, yeah, and they open up a door in hell, and she's back in her house again. But not really. Well, no. I mean, she's this in is hell. her house. She's in hell, and, uh, yeah, she's with her husband again, and he's threatening her. Again, like Inferno, at the end where Joseph, you know, his personal hell is being back home again, again, takes from that. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it's a kind of hopeful, strangely hopeful. Well, kind of note. because yeah, the kid. I mean, the kid's going to grow up and escape hell, hopefully. Well, it yeah. says he takes his first steps, you know. Yeah. In hell, <laughs> and um, what an upbringing, though. She <laughs> looks really determined that she's going to look after him, you know, yeah. as best she can. But it's just going to be, it's just going to be the horrible, isn't it? It's be well, you don't know thing. because. In this room is like their old room, their old house. But so I, maybe they'll be in this house for all eternity. I know, but you know that you know that they're going to influence it to make it the worst situation yeah. possible. Uh, yeah. So that's. I'd like to come back to this. This one's brilliant. I'd like to come back to this story and see what happened in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So that's yeah, a real excellent. good one. Try get that one, everyone. Do it. Mm. And we move on to the next story in this book, which is called Lingering. But it also has a prologue, so it looks a bit like there's a story called Prologue, first of all, and then Lingering. Yes. But the prologue is this couple, this gay couple, two chaps, living together, looking at this massive house with a sort of estate agent lady. 
Yeah, and they're having a look around and thinking, yeah, it looks okay, it looks nice, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. massive. And then basically they go into the bedroom, or what's going to be the bedroom, and there's a door that doesn't mm. lead anywhere. No. And they said, oh, it's probably a sculpture left by one of the other people. We can take it out if you want. And they were like, no, we'll keep it. And there's something on the floor. Yeah. It's like a basically like a jigsaw, sort of. Yeah, it's like a big frame on the floor attached and all these jigsaw pieces. Yeah. So it's a... It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. So there's a puzzle and a door. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. And they move in and it's all good until one night one of them can hear something behind the door. Hmm. This happens a few times in the story, and it's yeah. quite atmospheric, I think. If you can imagine that you can hear something shambling or scraping behind the doorway, mm. and you're like, oh, God, that's really weird. Behind it the walls. Weird. Again, harking back to the whole thing of them being behind the walls all the time. Exactly. And it's interesting because one of the characters is basically, you know, he says he's really good at solving puzzles, and he could totally help if he wanted to, but he doesn't. For some reason, he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, he doesn't want to solve it because he's scared of this puzzle. To the to the point where the other guy almost solves it, and he scatters the pieces again. Mm. Well, he's I mean, you know, one of them's really scared and one of them's obsessed. Yeah, he's just doing it all the time, mm-hmm. and it's completely wrecking their relationship. You know, they're yeah. both they're both uh, not having a good time at all. Um, really nice artwork, I think, in this one as yeah, well. Yeah, it's gorgeous, interesting, gorgeous interesting artwork. Uh, some really interesting bits. I mean, you've got a bit here. Um... He has a dream. His name is Hub. Hub as well, yes. by the way, which I, I found really strange at the time. Hub. Hub and Cal. Um, but Hub has this nightmare. So Hub's the one who is good at puzzles but refused to help out because he's scared. Yeah. Hub has this nightmare where he's getting married and it's Cal dressed as a woman in a wedding dress. Yeah. And, and the whole family disgusted. is disgusted. Yeah. Which is really interesting just to throw right yeah. in, the, in the mix there in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Uh, and and so, Hub refuses to go home until he knows Cal's home. Yeah, which he's changed his pattern. So it used to be the other way around. But yeah. now he's frightened to go home because mm-hmm. he's frightened of the door and hearing things behind it. And then he's looking at the door. Cal turns up behind him and he elbows him in the face because he's frightened. He thinks it's some monster. Oh, yeah. So then he has to go to see a psychiatrist. Because... Also, he's very withdrawn as well. <laughs> Yep. Hub's very withdrawn and, and Cal wants him to lead more of a normal life and go out and see their friends and things. Yeah, so they're um, not having a good time here at all. No. And then the puzzle is solved. Uh-oh. While Hub is away. Hub is away, comes home to an empty house. Puzzle and solved. Brilliant but bit here. This, is, this looks amazing. It's like the floor was coated with something sticky as if a gigantic <laughs> slug had crawled across it. And it's just coming from the door. And it's blood-coloured and it's got bits in it. It's horrible. <laughs> That's amazing if you came home. Lovely. Uh, it's really stylish, this this one. Yeah, it is. It's really good. So he's disappeared as Cal and uh, Hub just stays in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, thinking about him and waiting for him. And then one day he just cracks and completes the puzzle. Well, it's the, this girl as well. The estate agent girl who keeps coming round. And she, it's almost like she's a puzzle guardian. Yes, because which I she, think she is. She, she? Yeah, she really. does. Because she, when they first move in, she's like, hey, why don't you try and um, do that puzzle? That, you know, that puzzle on the floor. And there's even a moment where she's just come round one evening. And I was like, what's she doing here? And she's yeah. like, hey, just have a go finishing that puzzle. Absolutely. And then now, right at the end, she comes round and he's like, 
and she says, "Have you tried working the puzzle?" Yeah. So and he, he and he knows. He, he knows already. So that's what he does. He solves the puzzle, and then goes to the door. It opens, and all these hands come out and Ooh. grab him. And that's it. So another good story. Calvin had been here, and Hub would follow him anywhere. Mm. Yeah, really good. I really like that one. Yeah. It's cracking. Very interesting, that one. So, the next one is the shortest story I think we've had so far. Mm. It's five pages long, and it's called Tunnel of Love. Isn't quite as romantic as that sounds. No. It's set in the <laughs> Vietnam War. Yeah, and um, basically they find a tunnel. Well, let's say who they are, first of all. They're Soldiers. A, they're a group of sort of Marines. American but they're GIs. All horrible, though. They're like the worst of the worst. They're all, you know, racist and sadistic. and they're, Yeah, they I mean, they're really up for it. And the, the, the sort of artwork in this is quite stylized, you know. And mm. they're, they're really like, oh, get down there, boy. I want to hear him screaming through the dirt. Yeah, so it's all very... I mean, it's not very subtle. (laughs) No. But the um, main guy is this really horribly violent man who is, you know, going to get them. Yeah, his sergeant's like, get down there. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like fun. So he goes down and he's trying to kill as many people as possible. Uh, And you do see as he's crawling through the tunnel here, puzzle box in the corner, Mm. the wall. And then he turns up and blows all these uh, Viet Cong soldiers away. Yeah. And then he's stuck in the tunnels. He's just... Yeah. Keeps going around the same places, same places over and over again, and uh, eventually comes out basically in hell. Yeah. Where Leviathan's there. Leviathan's there. And some Cenobites. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you've solved the puzzle of the tunnels, and now you're going to be remade. And he's not up for this. <laughs> he's having none of it. Because <laughs> he's, you know, he's a hardcore... Soldier, he can take anyone. He's just, yeah, he's a complete and it, bastard, and isn't he? And it ends with all these Cenobites saying, well, we'll take you by force then. And it ends with him saying, fine with me, fellas. I love a good fight. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. So I believe that this character reoccurs in the future. You said this earlier on to me. I don't know. I haven't read the next ones. We won't talk about that just yet because we're just going to go through them in order. So mm-hmm. at the moment, this is your first what, introduction. What, the character, this guy who's the, um, gone Vietnam to The Vietnam soldier, yeah. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you make of this story then, Phil? I enjoyed it, yeah. It was um, just a really, really quick little thing. I enjoyed it, if nothing else, for seeing some human being confronted by the Cenobites and just going, well, let's go. <laughs> rather than going <gasps> yeah that is good yeah I wasn't sure the first time I read this one I wasn't sure I found some of the um, the language questionable I think the beginning but that's you know how it was designed but I do like the ending yeah I think it's got it's got some interest mm, and it looks yeah. good I mean it's a nice yeah the art's really nice, nice as well yeah nice one good another oh, good one that means there's only one more to talk about and this one is called the trainer yeah and the artwork couldn't be more different mm. this is really this one's a cartoon this one's cartoony yeah it very much is and it's uh quite sort of uh it's quite amusing <laughs> it's quite silly and, i mean it looks like you know the, the beano or the dandy yeah i mean the first bit you've got this guy who's watching a race yeah a horse race and there's a a woman 
behind yeah. him, jumping up and down. And she jumps up and down so hard that her top bursts open. Yeah, and, and it's nothing out. to do with the story. But <laughs> in the background, this girl, quite prominently featured, there were boobs falling out. Yeah, well, you can't argue. <laughs> and so, his horse yeah. loses. Yeah. And he's not impressed. So he goes to the horse and beats the crap out of it. Yep, he's um, beating up the stable hand. Which is not okay. Beating the horse. And it's really horrible, this, actually, because you just see this broom that he's beating it with whacking it across the face with blood coming out. Yeah. And he's so, like, sadistic. Yeah. It's really awful. Um, And then the people who sort of own the course, I guess, say, listen, we're going to ban you if we catch you doing this again. Mm -hmm. And then he's having a go at this guy he's paying to give the horses coke. Yeah. (laughs) And saying, you're not giving them enough coke. And then firing him. So he's just genuinely an unbelievably unpleasant, horrible human being. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he leaves the track. All he's drinking and angry, driving, drinking and driving, smoking it up, going mental, and he's just having a bit of a chill out in a field, looking at the horses running. And this character comes up to him, this weird, pale old man, who's surrounded by flies. Yeah, he in his suit. He looks he looks a bit like a corpse, and he offers him a stopwatch, and he says, "If you." time a horse with this stopwatch it'll go faster than it's ever gone before yeah and he's like nah he's like, oh, alright prove it do it on this horse so he does it and it works amazing uh, but then he offers to uh, give him five dollars for it <laughs> and the guy's crying and going no please I'm sick you have to give me more money and he's like five dollars that'll do yeah take it off your hands uh, and there's clearly something horrible going on with this guy yeah, at this yeah. point. The guy looks horrible. And then he drops the stopwatch on the floor. Yeah, and it smashes. Mm, terrible. So he picks up all the pieces, takes it to a jeweller, a watchmaker, and says, there you go, fix that. And the guy says, I can't fix that. He says it's not even a watch. Yeah, I fix watches, all kinds of clocks and watches. It's been my profession for over 30 years, and I'm really quite good at it. And I assure you, this is not a watch. He says, it's a puzzle to me. Yeah, and all the little pieces are all like little bits of the uh, puzzle box, aren't mm. they? So, some kind of um, hellish creation. So the guy, the horrible trainer man, takes it home and decides to fix it himself. Mm. And he can't. So he's going around, looking for the guy who sold it to him. Can't find him. People are saying, oh, he's dead, he's dead. He's, he's not around anymore, I've seen the body uh, and he's trying to fix it trying to fix it and then eventually he puts it all back together again mm-hmm. and then lo and behold the guy who sold him it turns up yep yes, and now he's got red eyes mm-hmm. and he's uh, pretty scary yeah, yeah. he's still surrounded by flies there's a good reason for that and he says um, basically well he says you did it in uh, almost a record time. <laughs> you put the watch back together in a record time. Uh, and then he says, I'm going to show you something, and gets a hook and pulls his skin off. Yeah. Uh, so that he's some kind of weird monster. <laughs> this is really bizarre. With tentacles and stuff like this. He's a. This is weird. Yeah, so he's some kind it's of weird green, green insect monster. <laughs> and then he pulls him down into hell. Mm-hmm. Where there's he, all these it's very insect heavy 
yeah, and he falls into like a big river of blood and there's all weird organs everywhere and monsters mm-hmm. jumping around and sticking their fingers in his face. And then also there is Pinhead. Yep, and the female Cenobite and Butterball, but weird Butterball. cartoony versions of them. Yeah. And, and Pinhead's a little, holding and a baby. baby. <laughs> He's holding a green baby, which is could a that bit be weird. The, could that be the baby from the first story? Well, it could be. Maybe not. Probably not. But anyway, they're all there, and they're saying to him, this is really interesting what they're saying. They're saying, you've been recruited. And he's like, what do you mean recruited? And he's like, you're going to be, basically they're saying, you're going to be a Cenobite. Mm. They're like, we've liked the way that you've been administering discipline over the years, (laughs) and uh, we're going to remake you. And he's like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can torture other people. That's going to be brilliant. Mm Mm-hmm. And Butterball's like, you're very lucky. Butterball at this point is just constantly eating insects, like throwing them into his mouth. Yeah. It's nice that Butterball's got lines. He has Harks got lines. back to the beginning, the, the first film where he was supposed to have lines, but then couldn't talk. Yeah. And uh, he's all like, the trainer is going, oh, oh this, my, finally my luck's come in. Where do I go? How do I start? <laughs> and they're like, well, it's not just as easy as that. And then basically... All these fiery horses these turn horses up and come eat him to death. Rip him apart. Ripping his face open. And, uh, yeah, so that's him, the beginning of him learning to be a Cenobite. Mm. And eventually he'll become the trainer. The trainer. Yeah. And that's it's got a really interesting idea there because you see how, you know, they create a Cenobite. They say you've got to go to your you know, your remaking room, your creation room and all this. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's nice. Very interesting. I mean, the art style's not quite <laughs> what I like. No, it's not my cup of tea, but the story's good. But it's really fun to see. You know, if you want to see Pinhead, Butterball and the female Cenobite as cartoon yeah. characters, basically. Yeah. Not comic characters, but cartoon characters, then this is where to come. Yeah. It is, um, it's like a kid's style, kid's cartoon style. Yeah. Weird. But, but the uh, content isn't. <laughs> it's great. And this whole book is brilliant. Yeah, book I six think. is wonderful. Book six is a great book. Well worth picking up. Well, we're cracking through them, aren't we? There's only another 14 to go. <laughs> <laughs> there are, yeah, we're going to go through all of these books eventually. So don't you worry, we'll get there in the end. Mm-hmm. Got a while to go. But that's good. You can join us for the ride. Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, try and find these books. Uh, pick them up where yeah, you can. You can get them uh, in individual stories, I think, can't you? Or you can get if you get them through your iPhone or iPad or that sort of thing, you get them in sort of twos, I think, don't you, can't you? Um, they've, they've sort of re-put them out there now, so it's even more than twos, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you can get them like these books now. Brilliant. Well, if you... Just have a look. Have a look around. Have a search. If you don't want to buy the physical books, you can get them digitally, and they're definitely worth it. Yeah, they are. They're really great companions to the Hellraiser mythos. Indeed. Hmm. Good. Well, there we go then. Yeah. Now, next podcast, we're going to be talking about a book of short stories written by Nicholas Vince, who played the Chatterer in Hellraiser and Hellraiser Two, and also has written for these comics as well. Yay. Uh, the book of stories is called What Monsters Do and is brand new it came out this year 
fairly recently, actually. Mm. So if you want to have a little read of that before the next podcast, then go out and buy that. You can get that on a Kindle or as an e-book edition or as a physical paperback book. And we are going to be talking about that book next time, including sitting down with Nick and having a chat with him about his thoughts, how the stories came about, and what he feels about them as well. Hmm. So do join us for that. That'll be up very shortly. Sounds good. Thanks. Hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, if you have any feedback, do please email us at hellraiserpodcast at hotmail.co.uk or find us on Twitter at hellraisercast or visit the website at hellraiserpodcast.com or find us on Facebook. We're all over the place. Just seek us out. It's yes. good. Good fun. Mm. And we will see you all very shortly for the next one of these. See you all soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.